Hi, everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the Sustainable Investing Perspectives podcast here on the UBS Conversations podcast channel. Uh, joining us for today's conversation, glad to welcome back from our chief investment office here at UBS, Amantia Muhadini. Amantia is a sustainable and impact investing strategist for the Americas here at UBS. We're glad to have back with us here on the podcast, Catherine Kroll of Brown Advisory. Catherine serves as the Director of Equity Research for Sustainable Investing. So, Amatia, Catherine, it's great to have you both back here with us here on the podcast. Uh, thank you for spending some time with our listeners, our clients, and looking forward to our conversation. So, welcome back. Thank you for having us, Dan. So with that upfront for our listeners, before we get into our conversation, I do want to point out that today's podcast will tie right into the latest edition of the monthly Sustainable Investing Perspectives publication from the UBS Chief Investment Office, which, by the way, can now be located up on UBS.com slash CIO. So uh, with that, let's now dive into some areas the publication focused on for this month. It was interesting, Amantia, as I was reading through it, I noticed how you looked at the decarbonization of the shipping industry. So I'm curious why the focus into that area, and can you as well speak a bit to the state of that industry? Of course, um, happy to. So I'd say, um, um, firstly, if we recall for our listeners, uh, as part of our 2024 CIO outlook on sustainable investing, we looked at this idea of broadly industrial decarbonization. Or put it more simply, we're thinking about the areas of the economy where there are movements towards reducing reliance on carbon-heavy um, sources of energy, and, and we think those areas are going to be interesting to watch broadly. And so with that broader view in mind, we've also starting uh, putting out some views there on, on some corners, call it, of our economic activity and, and different industries like aviation, which we talked about last year, and now we're looking at shipping, another area top of mind currently for investors in the context of the Red Sea um, kind of shipping route challenges, but also broadly just one of those areas where there's a lot of reliance on oil-based fossil fuels. Um, it's a great source of energy demand, and therefore it matters to think about it from the decarbonization lens. So that was a big preamble. That was the why. That was the why we looked into it. And, and then you may ask, uh, and I'll just go right ahead into it, to say, well, what, what's the takeaway? <laughs> um, how, what does decarbonization look like? And broadly, um, what we know is that um, of July of 2023, the International Maritime Organization set new and more ambitious objectives of decarbonization and reaching net zero. And with those objectives came a plan, right, came, uh, on, on sort of how the, the global industry is going to get there. And in our view, there are two main paths. One is um, essentially capex investments to renew existing fleets, to make them less energy intensive or to make it possible so that you can use alternative fuels that aren't oil-based, or dropping in alternative fuels to the existing fleet. Now, when we look at both of these ways, yes, we see some bright spots. We see some areas of investment currently. But I'd say the headline, this is very much a challenging sector to decarbonize. And so this will be one of those longer-term areas of evolution to explore, um, although definitely an interesting one, like aviation, 
to to watch in the next in the near term in how it impacts demand for energy. And you know, so so as, as I'm pausing there and reflecting, I'm kind of wondering. We have Catherine here, um, and I'm just curious from your research perspective, Catherine. I mean, what are you seeing about this industry or other similar industries um, as as we see more broadly? Yeah, I, re I really appreciate your perspective and that focus on sectors that don't always get the spotlight. I think more and more we've seen an expansion of what sustainable investing can include. And obviously the energy transition is front and center. I think that's for good reason, but tucked behind those more obvious sectors that fall into the energy transition is, is infrastructure. And I think that in some ways that actually feels more challenging. There are just less alternatives. Um, a company that we spent a lot of time getting our arms around, which is a good example of this challenge, is CRH. It's uh, a building materials business, and it manufactures a wide range of products for construction, including cement and aggregates. I don't think it gets less glamorous than cement, but the built environment accounts for about 40% of global carbon emissions, with construction materials being the second largest contributor. And it's nearly to—it's—it's it's, it's nearly impossible, really, to abate the emissions from things like cement, largely because it requires such an intensely high heat point to, to make, right? And you want it made with that scientific integrity. I'm speaking to you on the 17th floor of our office building in downtown Austin. I want this cement to to hold strong. So. Some of the levers you can pull on to lower the carbon footprint while still ensuring a really strong product is alternative fuel. And CRH is a leader on using alternative fuel. They uh, meet about 36% of their fuel requirements from it while also driving down carbon emissions. The other piece that I think is compelling and hopeful is within aggregates, really carbon thirsty. Um, but CRH, which is also the largest road paper in North America, um, approximately 25% of every mile of the roads they pave in North America are made with recycled materials. And that's great when we consider decarbonization, but the ability to supplement finite resources with recovered resources is also driving down costs. And one step further, they actually get paid to take you know, road scraps, if you will, and then they can use those materials to pave their road. So I, I do think these harder to abate industries also present fascinating investment opportunities. That's my positive spin of, of this investment challenge. So in addition to decarbonization, it's interesting, another major topic of conversation for the past couple of years, it doesn't appear to be going anywhere anytime soon, uh, has been AI, artificial intelligence. So with that, Catherine, I'm curious, how are you seeing the two intersect? It's just another massive investable opportunity, and it comes with a ton of complexity, a lot to chew on, certainly an area for decarbonization, but also natural capital more broadly. Um, so a few facts that are probably well-known, but I think set the stage well. Um, Hyperscale data center footprints could grow threefold in the next six years to accommodate the demands of generative AI. And... I hear that and I think data center sustainability then is less of a competitive advantage and rather more of a business imperative. Um, we need to get this right. It's an increasingly 
large challenge given how compute intensive AI workloads are. And we can anticipate that that will only grow. Amazon plans to invest $35 billion on new data centers in Virginia by 2040. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's a big deal. That's a big number from a large company. We can expect this to be something that accelerates in materiality. Um, another example, Alphabet said that AI accounted for about 15% of its total energy use over the prior three years. And going forward, McKinsey forecasts that U.S. data center demand measured by power consumption will increase by some 10% year over year until 2030. Uh, so that, that's a lot for investors to get their arms around. On top of it, as I mentioned, it's the natural capital piece, Alphabet, Microsoft, Meta together, they use more than twice of Denmark's annual water use just last year. And between 2021 and 2022, I know these are a lot of stats, but it's a big, it's a big topic that I think requires this data to get, to get comfortable. Water usage for Alphabet and Microsoft data centers increased by 20% and 34% respectively which we think is largely due to AI demand. So this impacts the micro, impacts the, the macro. I'm really lucky that we have a colleague here who's all but created a, a full-time role for herself in understanding the investment opportunity of sustainable data centers. And we anticipate this being as large of a sustainable investment focus as the energy transition is. So a lot there, Amantia, you, you probably have some um, perhaps pushback or maybe that aligns with what you're seeing. would love to hear your perspective on what we're getting right and what we might be missing. Yeah, it's interesting. In some ways, uh, the AI question is, uh, uh, Catherine, you said cement is not glamorous. Um, AI certainly is glamorous as a discussion um, these days, but it's interesting what you're referring to, speaking to perhaps this as, as, as what's been described as a largely positive trend, although we're watching and seeing, uh, potentially being a challenge to the energy transition and definitely one that is highlighting that connection between these businesses that, that we're invested in, perhaps for the AI pieces, and the real limits in terms of energy demand or water resource demands that they are going to be running into as, as growth kind of continues as projected, which is an interesting angle. I'll say the way in which we've thought about AI and, and sustainability um, in part was um, one is a reflection of the recent uh, World Economic Forum meetings in Davos, which our team um, attended, and, and how we saw that for kind of these global meetings, Long-term sustainability and, and climate risk continues to be top of mind as a potential risk that the world needs to align around. But now AI is tied in there both on this sort of challenge side of the column, if you will, that you're describing, but also on the opportunity side. So for us, what we're interested in understanding more is how can these enhanced, essentially, um, learning models and, and AI actually help and address or accelerate some of the problems which we haven't been able to solve for, from education to, you mentioned, I mean, human capital management as well as natural capital management, are there new solutions that will be available to us because of this additional leg up of innovation? Uh, but of course, I mean, we're talking about one of the things that is perhaps most exciting and frustrating for anyone watching the sustainability space, that there are always items on both sides, the plus and the minus side of the column, and, and we need to, um, focus on those opportunities and balance the risks out. 
Well, it will be interesting to see how this all evolves, though. Amati and Catherine do want to thank you both again for dropping by UBS Conversations for the Sustainable Investing Perspectives podcast. Uh, thank you both again for spending some time with our listeners and clients today. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. And again today, we have been joined by Amantia Muhudini, Sustainable and Impact Investing Strategist for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office, as well as Catherine Crow, Director of Equity Research for Sustainable Investing at Brown Advisory. As mentioned, for our clients of UBS, please reference UBS.com slash CIO for all related written resources, including this month's Sustainable Investing Perspectives publication. And for all podcasts and videos from UBS Studios, please be sure to visit the internet site UBS.com slash studios. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliates. The views and opinions expressed in this material by external guest speakers are those of the author, speaker, and are not those of UBS, its subsidiaries, or affiliates. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over the content of this material or any claims, losses, or damages arising from the use or reliance of all or any part thereof. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient, and is published for informational purposes only. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.